Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. First of all, please keep um, the nations of Turkey and Syria and that whole region that have been devastated by earthquakes. Uh, just to let you know, uh, this past week I had a meeting with the ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Turkey, and he was just updating a, a handful of clergy about what's going on there. There are over 22,000 people dead, over 300 and okay with the lights, praise the Lord. It's called psychedelic. <laughs> if you're on that psychedelic stuff. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let there be. And there was. Amen. 380,000 people are now homeless. This has impacted some 23 million people in the region. And you've got to understand, Turkey... Uh, had a, an earthquake in 1999 where there were some 18,000 people killed, but that nothing to compare with what they're going through now. And you have a coming together of so many different organizations. I was going to ask, isn't Turkey a Muslim country? It is Muslim, but they're Christians there. There are... I was going to ask, why is Ambassador yeah, meeting with clergy? Well, that's the thing. This, you know... We use, we are our brother's keeper as a statement. Yep. But the first time it appears in Scripture is as a question. Mm -hmm. Am I my brother's keeper? So crisis affords us the opportunity to answer, to answer that question. So the reason we met with the ambassador you know, uh, it was Christians, it was Jews, it was Muslims, uh, and, and others coming together and seeing how we can show God's love, life, and light. You know, we, we got to remember, for God so loved the world. Did you all read that? Not just certain folks. So there is his common grace, which is God's love dispensed to all of humanity. Mm -hmm. And there is his saving grace, which brings us into a special relationship through Jesus Christ. But God is gracious, and that's the beauty of God. And it is a testimony for man or either against man. It's a witness for him or against him, depending upon how he responds. So um, we're raising uh, money. Uh, we've gotten together as an interfaith uh, body of leaders to raise money, to send over. There are goods that are going over. So it is a major, major uh, work. It's also a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus said that there will be earthquakes in diverse places. And he talked about it in terms of birth pains. So we're seeing this kind of devastation more often than we have in recorded history. Mm-hmm. Earthquakes are a common phenomena throughout history, but to happen with such rapidity, with such closeness, these are what 
the, the, the scripture calls birth pains. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're feeling the, the, the closeness of his return. I'm not predicting his <laughs> return, but definitely we are seeing some, some things happening that are pointing to um, an alignment that's necessary for the Lord Jesus Christ to return. How many believe Jesus is coming back? Amen? That's right. Praise the Lord. And of course, my Jewish friends believe he's coming. (laughs) Not back, but... That he's coming. coming. Yeah, yeah. Messiah is coming. Um, And it's great. Because of my interactions with them, we sit down and we have conversations, and they're asking me questions about their Hebrew scriptures. And how we see it in light of, you know, an eschatological, messianic uh, text. And it, it is great because now's the time to have these kind of conversations. Too often, we as Christians, um, we want to decide who's worthy of hearing the gospel or not. And how many know that ministry, relationship precedes ministry? You can't minister to people until you create a what? A relationship with them. Because when you create a relationship with them, they open their heart to you. And you can have conversations that they wouldn't ordinarily have with you. And you can have transparency and, and vulnerability that they would not surrender to until there is a relationship. Um, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. The world's condemned already. He said, but I came to save the world. I came that the world might have what? Life. Life and that might have it more abundantly. So we need to reevaluate our approach as Christians to uh, evangelism and how we should evangelize. So um, that's prophetic, you know, with the earthquakes and, of course, nation rising against nation. Um, what else? Housekeeping. You tell me. <laughs> uh, I, I, there's a couple of things. Um, we have the Lent. Are we, go, are we, gonna... we have Lent coming up. In, um, okay. We start Lent on the 21st of February. And we, uh, for Lent experience, we are actually going to be having our service live in person. Uh, we're going to come back to our Tuesday night service. It's going to be for the Lent. The Lent. <laughs> and I'm excited because uh, it, it just gets us to make some adjustments, make some changes, and then see, you know, get the people back in on during the week who can't make it on Sundays that live across the street, but they're willing to come in. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're excited about that. So it'll be um, all the way up until the week before Easter. Uh, the, um, so it's every Tuesday consecutive. We'll be here in the building, worshiping, praying, uh, and um, getting, getting our bodies and minds and spirits right for Holy Week. All right. Good. Good. Uh, we don't celebrate Ash Wednesday. People ask us, so we start on Tuesday, our uh, Lenten experience. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I look, the, the Christian calendars tend to line up no matter whether you're Eastern Church, Western Church, Orthodox you know, they, they, they line up. Like Easter is celebrated uh, by the Eastern Church on a different day than the Western Church and all of that. But essentially, it, it all comes together. 
uh, in, in a very specific season. So, yeah, we will be celebrating uh, those things. And as we come back into service, and Easter Sunday we'll be having two services here uh, to accommodate um, the possibility of people coming out for Easter. Uh, yes, eight, 8 and 10. Notice I didn't say showing up. I'm being nice here. Praise the Lord. Well, when I look at the video and, it, and it, the people talking about what they had to do just to hold service, just experience service, the chance of being beat to death, and they still push. And then you look at Come all on. these individuals who right. are like, ah, yeah, I'll go to church next week. Or, and I know that there's something significant about this experience. There's something significant Come on. Come on. about what happens within the church context that these people were willing to risk their lives. Even to this day, there are individuals risking their lives to gather, to gather and experience gather. something like this. So I, I'm like, you know, people, get, get your stuff together. <laughs> That's good preaching. <laughs> That's good preaching. Uh, it's, don't complain and say, I'm not growing. Why am I not growing? And you start to eliminate aspects of, of things that happens in your life that helps you grow. And one of the things that help you grow is community. And you say, I'm not growing as a Christian. Then you want to give up on Christianity and go try something else because you didn't put all your effort into this growth process. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> Uh, it's true. We, we, are, we get too comfortable, you know, I, and we become complacent and we begin to diminish the value of things that we uh, should cherish, especially here in America. Uh, there are nations where people can't gather. People are being killed because of their confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so we must, we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves mm -hmm. together. Uh, uh, as, as Hebrews expresses. Yeah, and then to the point where there's, there's certain countries that people are memorizing the Bible because if they get seen holding a Bible, having a Bible on their device, they can get into some serious trouble. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, look, I think of the book of Eli with Denzel and he memorized a text and the scripture and, you know, it just... It became <laughs> precious. Mm -hmm. There were times in, in the Soviet Union, in communist bloc countries, etc., where they cherished a piece of scripture on a little piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And they cherished that thing, and they would review that one scripture on that little piece of paper again and again and again, because that's all they had. So we have to be careful um, that we don't become complacent. And remember the cycle of, of, of humanity, prosperity, complacency, uh, crisis, right? And then renewal. Mm -hmm. And it just goes around. But we don't have to get caught in that cycle. It can be a constant renewal and growth and development, which is what Jesus intended. Um, let's see, what else? Are we going to talk about the, uh, the Grammys? <laughs> There's so much to unpack about the Grammys. Um, you know, you, you're looking at... Even if you didn't watch it, you saw things moving around, yep. social media, some of you didn't. The imagery that was used for certain songs. Um, the Last Supper. Yep. All right, some of y'all had no, no idea what we're talking about. Bless your sweetheart. <laughs> y'all stay right there. We'll, we'll keep moving. We'll move well, on. Pr pr pray for the, the, the Christians, Christian musicians and artists that are... Uh, in that arena, that God would just embolden them to, to really claim an unapologetic 
relationship with God. Yeah. Right? And I know some, for some of them it's risking all they have. But I'm like, if God, if you're serving the God of Genesis, right, what are you really risking? You're risking what man was providing? But yet we can lean on what God is providing? I, so I understand the struggle, but I don't agree with it. Um, yeah, and, and we're going to talk about the signs of the times. But what we see happening in the culture is, I believe, a fulfillment of some of what was shared in Scripture about the last days. And please understand, the last days, how, how many know we're in the last days? Yeah, and then there's some, we're in the last of the last days. That is not biblical, but I get where you're going with that. Yeah, the last days began on the day of Pentecost, all right? And the last days simply means that period leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. It's been 2,000 years. Um, we don't know, you know, no man knows the hour, nor the day, uh, nor the hour when the Son of Man will return. So we don't know when Jesus is actually going to literally return. But we do know that there are certain characteristics of culture that lead up to his return. We're going to unpack some of that this year. We're going to talk about what did he mean when he says, as it was in the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean, um, as it was in the days of Lot? And I'm concerned about the days of Noah, because when you research and study the days of Noah's... Yeah, we're talking Ooh. about a the antediluvian period leading up to the flood and what was going on for that 2,000-year period. Uh, and, and notice he doesn't say as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. He says as it was in the days of Lot. It ties Sodom to Lot because Lot was there. But the focus of attention is on Lot's disposition within the context. So when we unpack that, it's going to talk about the church's disposition mm -hmm. in a society that's rapidly changing. His, his, if, ne his negotiating posture. Yeah, and he, yeah, yeah, all right, we, 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 won't, we won't unpack that, but, but in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, just write it down, take a look at it in preparation for when we unpack it, but the Bible speaks of perilous times, dangerous times, the word is violent, violent times are going to come, and the Apostle Paul, in his letter to Timothy, uh, indicates 19 characteristics of people, human beings, and the culture and the climate um, as the last days continue. Those characteristics are broken up into literary forms. Mm -hmm. um, and one literary, one literary form, and, and it, it, let me just give you this real quick. The liter literary form, how do you know the Bible is written in different types of literature? You can write this down, okay? One of the literary forms is called alpha privative. Alpha privative. Write it down. You, you don't have to go to se You're in seminary right now, all right? I'm your professor. Alpha privative. What is it called? Alpha Privative. What's it called? Alpha Privative. Yeah. And Alpha Privative is a literary form that speaks in terms of lack of, the deficiency of something, or more so, the absence of something. The absence of something. And there are eight 
descriptive words used in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4, actually down to verse 5, but um, that are, fall under this uh, form, literary form, fall under this literary form. What's it called? And, and it speaks of the, and emphasizes the absence of, the absence of, the lack of. So, Paul uses words like, let me go to the text uh, in second, I'm sorry, yeah, second Timothy. It's the absence of certain virtues. So, this is the, this is the climate. Uh, Paul says, their men will be boastful, right? And depending upon what translation. What does he mean? This falls under this literary form of, of alpha uh, privative. It, it, it means the absence of humility, which means that, yeah, Paul's saying men will be boastful, but what he's really pointing to, and, and this is not a comprehensive list of the characteristics of, the last, of people in the last days, it's a list that is intended to evoke moral outrage. That's the objective here. So when he says people are boastful, all right, he's not just saying people are boastful. He's emphasizing the absence of humility. And, and that's a different feeling, all right? Because how many look around and, and you say, man, is everybody uh, stuck on themselves? <laughs> how, how many understand what I'm saying? We, we begin to refer to the absence of something as opposed to pointing to the thing itself. So we're not saying, man, people are boastful. We're saying, man, where's the humility? Is anybody humble anymore? <laughs> Is everybody on an ego trip? That's, see, and that's what it's trying to convey. And that's what we're being to experience. You know, it's, it's like um, disobedient to parents, right? The so what, what is he emphasizing? The absence of respect for parental authority. So parental authority is being stripped from the society. Mm -hmm. That's why you have children making decisions about sexual identity when they have no idea what the difference is between male and female except biologically. They can't explore what that means emotionally, intellectually, you know, in, in other ways. It's so, so we're seeing that parents are being removed, parental authority is being removed from the equation in terms of what's happening in the culture. Yeah, but so, they, they're picking and choosing that because if I leave my child home, I get in trouble for neglect. Say that again. They, they're picking and choosing where they're removing the parental based on a particular agenda, right? So I, I still, they still want me to take care of my kid, but yet you can't say certain things and do certain things in the child's life. <laughs> yeah. So, so the removal of, so remember, alpha privative, the absence of certain virtues, the absence of certain virtues that we take for granted should be a part of human society, should be a part of human relationships, right? Uh, another word, um, ungrateful in the text, which, which is what? The absence of gratitude. So it's not that we are noticing people are, are ungrateful, but we're noticing the absence of gratitude, like, man, you know. So when, when we walk out the store and someone in front of us walks through the door first, they let the door and slams it. 
in front of us. And, we, and you know, I, I have to be careful. Y'all pray for your pastor because I'll swing the door open and say, thank you. <laughs> and, and what am I reacting to? The absence of what? Gratitude. You know, I just, we're, so, and, and I don't want to go through all of the words in, in, the, in the passage, but unholy. People will be unholy. So what, what is that? Under the literary form, alpha privative, unholy means what? The absence of reverence and respect for that which is holy. Are you hearing me? The absence of, I mean, there was a time when people respected the church building. There was no vandalism. Definitely no shootings going on. But over the last 50, 60 years, right, we have seen the absence of reverence, all right, for sacred spaces that were once safe spaces. And there was just this unspoken law that you don't touch a house of worship. That's gone now. That's gone now. And when we talk about um, the Grammys and, and music and, you know, pop culture and whatnot, there is an absence of reverence for that which is holy. There's an absence of respect for those things that were once sacred. So now we see the invasion of these things and, you know, uh, it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. I'm not going to go through the whole text, but it's the absence of these things. You know, it gets into um, unloving human relationships. The absence of the kind of love that should exist between human beings. The absence of the kind of love that should exist between family members. We see family members at odds with each other, and we don't see the, the, the filial kind of love that God intended when he created the family structure and family interaction. You know, the, the, the absence of love for God. Uh, essentially, to, to summarize the characteristics of this age, it's in two words. Godlessness and narcissism. Whether you look at Paul's outline in 2 Timothy chapter 3 or 1 Timothy chapter 4 or in all of the other references to the character of this age, this, this, this world in which we live right now, it's summed up in two words, godlessness and narcissism. And what I mean by godlessness is um, Proverbs 29, 18. You're used to that verse in terms of using it about vision. And that's, that's fear. But the text really means where there's no revelation of God, where there's no prophetic vision uh, in the ESV, where there's no revelation of God in the Amplified, where there is no revelation of God or prophetic vision. Because remember, the prophet is predictive to the future but analytical to the present. So the prophet analyzes the culture, the character of the culture, and then speaks a word from God into that culture. So, Proverbs 29, 18 is actually saying where there is no revelation of God, the people cast off restraints. The people become unrestrained. So, remove God from the society and we remove moral boundaries. So, the absence of God creates an absence of moral 
accountability. So what I mean by godless, it doesn't mean that God is no longer worship in our society. Yeah, but the boundaries, the moral boundaries that come with God, all right, people want to break away from that. Beautiful passage in, in, in um, the second Psalm where he says, let's cast off their chains. We don't want God controlling us anymore. Uh, powerful. But that's where we are. Godlessness in terms of the, the, the removal of moral accountability. We don't want to be morally accountable. See? And we're seeing in, in my generation, the song was, it's your thing. <laughs> Woo! Look at y'all. All these boomers out there. Hey! <laughs> you see that? Those are my peeps. Those are my peeps. <clears throat> you know, to, to today, where the songs are still expressing the attitude of the culture, which are saying, leave me alone to do what I want to do with my life. You know, and so they're, they, they're casting off moral boundaries. Anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So going back to housekeeping, we have Lent. <laughs> please, I can't help myself. Please register for uh, the Lent, uh, be a part of the Lent experience. Uh, you'll receive you know, the weekly letter, uh, prayers, and things like that. Uh, and we're actually using my book as one of the uh, sources, resources for the Lent experience. Which is the next topic of discussion. He's got a new book out called Battle Rhythm. You need to get your copy. So it is a devotional book. How, yes, many, devotional. how many days? 90-day devotional book. 90-day devotional. Mm -hmm. We're using it for Lent. So t tell us about the genesis of this book. So it, it started uh, uh, Sheldon Wilson, uh, one of the ministers down in the Orlando Who? campus. Sheldon Wilson. Orlando. And he, during um, time of uh, COVID, Things slowed down, you know, because he just wasn't having a service. And he, he said this is uh, something he lives by called battle rhythm. And he said, we got to stay on our battle rhythm. We got to stay on our battle rhythm. And it caused me to go look up and research what he was talking about. He said, look, here, take this and, and, and um, I want you to understand what this is about. And so it's, uh, he, he would just always say battle rhythm. I'm like, okay, I get you. You know, you got to continue your rhythm. But when I started researching it, understood the significance about battle rhythm, I said, wow, this is an amazing concept. Uh, and battle rhythm just talks about, and you've heard me minister this before, but just talks about the systems and structures that are put in place in the military reg uh, regimen or uh, branch of, um, you know, the, the military, army, navy, and what they do is they create certain uh, meetings and um, checkpoints and all these different things that if crisis enters, it comes up, or war at wartime, they just increase these meetings. They increase the, uh, all the things that they do in order to secure a successful outcome. Mm. So it's not something they started because they, they, they have it going on. Uh, like I said, they, they have meetings and then the meetings trickle down to the subordinates and the different chains and they have conversations about uh, if, if this happened and this is what we'll do, if this happened. And they try to um, predict some of the things that would happen within uh, a system uh, or, or, or a situation. So if I apply that to 
my personal life as a believer. I have certain systems in place. Uh, prayer, study of the word, fasting, giving, fellowship and worship, right? Um, solitude with God. I have all of these spiritual disciplines that are a system. Mm -hmm. So when crisis comes, those things shouldn't diminish. No. We simply Inc up the prayer, yep, increase. up the fasting, mm -hmm. up the study of Scripture, mm -hmm. up the worship, up yep. the fellowship, up the solitude with God. Right? Yep. Okay. Are you all hearing that? Yes. All right. So, because you have a lot of uh, Christians that don't have a well-organized spiritual discipline system. And because of that, when crisis hits, they try to start something. But when crisis hits, you should just increase what you already, what you're already doing. doing. Yep. Come on, come on. That's like, like, so you look at Daniel in chapter, Daniel chapter, I think chapter five or six, uh, after Osiris signed the decree, it said Daniel went to do what he normally did every day, which was pray. Mm. And the subtitle for the book is Praying in Sync with God's Heart, because I believe all revival, so all, all of the studying I have done on revival, renewal, and stuff like that, is prayer is a springboard for renewal and revival. Say it again. Prayer is the springboard for all renewal and revival. So every movement yes. um, of revival mm -hmm. was preceded by prayer. Yes. Was founded on prayer. Why? Why prayer? Because since one, one of the reasons why... And I, I interview him about the book. <laughs> why prayer? One of the reasons why I believe is because it just sensitized our spirit to come into connection with what God is doing. Right? Because God is always working. He's always doing something. But at, at, at a point of revival, there's a, a specific divine providential insertion that he's about to do. And it allows us in our prayer life to start becoming sensitive and increase our discernment to see what he's doing, one, and two, what is your role in what he is doing. Wait, wait. What we're doing wrong? No, what he is doing. What oh, is what God is, doing? What is God is doing? Yeah, and then what is your role? What is our role? Yes. To co-labor. Yes, to co-labor. Okay. And, and what, what is it about prayer that, that does something to us? I, I, I say, I put it this way, and it came out of a book called uh, Prayers That Avail Much. I say, I say prayer reveals much. So it reveals uh, information that either you're lacking or n information that's necessary for your next step. Your, 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 because remember, if, if renewal is about reawakening, something went to sleep. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's reawakening. Uh, it's, it's bringing something new to the table. So prayer reveals much. Prayer avails much. It takes you to the next level. And then um, prayer prevails much. Right, and, and, and this comes out of that book, Our, Pray, Our Prayer That Avails Much, by Dick Ostens. Prayer That Avails Much. Right, was it Joyce um, Myers? No, it wasn't Joyce Myers. No. It is uh, a book. It's Google it, you'll see it. Wallace? No, I don't think it was Wallace. Who? What, what they said. <laughs> Well, I hear is, oh, Stormy O. Martin. That's right. <laughs> Prayers that avail much. Okay. And, pray in the Spirit. Yes. I was thinking about praying in the Spirit. Okay. Go ahead. Prayer. Yeah. So prayer. So it, it just takes you through a process. And I think um, one of the things that it reveals to you is who you really are. 
Is prayer getting God to do what you want him to do? No, no, no. It's, it's the elevation of your heart, your will, and your mind. Ooh, say that again. You taught this. <laughs> That's why I want you to say it again. It's the elevation of your heart, will, and mind. So prayer seeks to elevate the heart, which is your central motivating factor of your life, mm -hmm. your will, your motivations, right? Uh, your mind, your emotions, your intellect, everything. Elevate it to God. Yes. And that's to get God's perspective on your situation. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't elevate your mind in prayer, you're, going to, you're only going to see your situation from your perspective. Yep. From your point of view. And how many know that's limited? Yeah. Yeah. When you act on your own without prayer, you are limited to the knowledge in your own mind. And no offense, that may not be enough. I mean, know what I'm talking about. That's why it's always about seeking counsel. Counsel determines destiny. Counsel determines how you approach or address a situation. So prayer is elevating your mind to the mind of God so that he can give you his perspective on your situation, on your yep. circumstance. It's good stuff. Not Are you get anything out of this today? <laughs> Not only your situation or circumstance, but maybe on somebody else's, because you, as you pray for other individuals, you might be a, a beacon or, 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 or a tool that God will use to speak into their situation because they might be going through something. Give me one more highlight from the book. All right, my, one more highlight, because I have like four, but he's limited me to one highlight. I don't limit anybody. <laughs> it's that clock. I'm blaming you. You don't listen clock. to that clock. That's because I'm unlimited. <laughs> if I may read an excerpt from the book, one of the devotions. And the devotion is, don't blame the shovel. Don't blame the shovel. Don't blame the shovel. The shovel. Yes. If after years of unhealthy choices and dangerous digging, you are shocked every time a trench appears. If you blame your background or circumstances or others, whenever you're lying at the bottom of the consequences, and the significant about, thing about consequences is consequence. So it's a sequence following your decision. You, the consequences you called out for yourself do not expect much to change. But if you want to start seeing progress and experience, the peace of maturity, acknowledge where you went wrong and what you can do to add and eliminate whatever brings you closer to the character of Christ. Mm. 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 Author Craig D. Lundsberg said, when I am at the bottom looking up, the main question may not be, how do I get out of this hole? But in reality, the main question might be, how do I get rid of the shovel that I use to dig it? I, change you, I, ch I challenge you today to eliminate and illuminate whatever you have used to dig ditches of disappointment for yourself. Identify your thoughts, your words, beliefs, and choices that chipped away at your solid ground until it fell away beneath you. You are responsible for picking up the shovel of habits, relationships, and negative thinking that creates your pit of destruction, depression, and depletion. Your success and happiness may be more within your control than you realize. 
Basically, it's up to you. Sounds like we've identified the enemy. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> but it is true, right? For the most part, the devil can only devastate our lives when we cooperate with him. When we cooperate with him. And that's why the word of God is designed to get right down to the bone, the marrow. All right, dividing spirit, soul, and body. We lie naked before the word. The Word of God is designed to get to the heart of who we are as individuals and why we keep making the choices that we make that are destructive. So are you doing a book signing? Yes. Right here? Yes. When? After service. This today? Yes. <laughs> but we got to hurry up because it's Super Bowl. <laughs> My chicken wings are going to get cold. <laughs> How do we go from spiritual to temporal <laughs> in seconds? So where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? I'll be in the lobby. Um, in the vision hall or mezzanine? The, the gallery area? Right. In the vision hall, yes. In the, in the vision, vision hall. hall. Okay, in the vision hall. And you need to get your, your copy of this book. Amen? It's a devotional. It's, it's simple. Um, I wrote the foreword. It, it, and some, now, some yeah. of this is, 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 a lot of it is, 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 comes out of my journaling after I lost my brother. Um, because it was, it was the battle rhythm that I created that helped me get through the tragedy of the loss. Right? And I was just journaling and, and looking at just different things in my life. Because uh, one of the things I always try to do is make sure I look at what I can change. Right? If anything I got control over is what Jamal Bernard is doing. Uh, if anything I got control over is how Jamal Bernard thinks. Mm -hmm. If anything I got control over is how Jamal Bernard acts. And so last year was a, it was a, a, a real tough time dealing with the death, <laughs> but also the pruning. Right? To, go, to deal with tragedy and pruning at the same time is not a fun uh, process, but it's a necessary process for me. And I believe that at the start and starting point of all renewal is... Uh, looking at the mirror. Personal. Personal, Personal renewal. Yeah. But looking at the mirror and, and looking at the stuff that you don't want to let go of. The stuff that you hold on to because you're comfortable. So I'm comfortable being angry all the time because I don't know how to be uncomfortable and happy. Right? Uh, it's, 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 it's comfortable being bitterness because I don't know how to be free from the tensions of being bitter. It's comfortable for being in a place of negativity because it's uncomfortable to be positive. See, negative puts me in a certainty that something bad is going to happen that's good. But positivity puts me in a place where I'm not sure if something good is going to happen because most of the time something bad happens. The news is just a running of all the bad things that you deal with. So, so the, the, the positivity becomes uncomfortable for people or the uncomfortability of praying. Because not praying is comfortable. The comfortability of lack of discipline because discipline is uncomfortable. The uncomfortability of focus because being unfocused is easy. 
And so what I saw is that as we move towards this place of renewal, get prepared to be uncomfortable. Get prepared to grow, to be stretched, to be moved from places that are hindering you, to be able to articulate your faith in a community that needs it. One of my, one of my, one of the other story, uh, devotions I put, I talk about uh, Jonah. And a lot of us are running from God. Not because we made a decision to run from God, but because we have made a decision to live a life contrary to what God has asked us to do. And, 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 and because you're running, you're putting people around you in danger. Because they're in need of the God that you serve. They're in need of the liberation power of this gospel. And look what happened when Jonah made a decision to follow God. He changed a nation. So for you to make a decision to follow God wholeheartedly, unapologetically, you can change a nation. You can change a community. You can change your household. You can change your, your job area. You can change your area of influence. All you need to do is make a decision to unapologetically walk with God. Come on, let's all stand. You can learn a lot about yourself by observing your judgment of others. Because usually those judgments come from the internal strifes that you're experiencing. You need to pray, man, after a word like that. You need to pray for people who may be right there and they need to experience the the liberation that you experienced and where God brought you to. That's a word. That's a word. Thank you, Lord. The, the emotion that I'm feeling is not because of the bondage. The emotion I'm feeling is because of the feeling of freedom yeah. from the bondage. So I'm trying to get through this. So let's bow our heads. Father God, you're such an awesome God. Thank you for the process. Because the process is meant to make us better. But that desire to make us better is based on the love and the value you have for us. So I pray for the individuals who are here dealing with an anger issue. 
always angry, not even being able to answer why they are angry, Lord. That means they are in bondage. Lord, I pray for those who are dealing with negativity. Always seeing that the glass is half empty. And Lord, I say, just fill it up. I pray though for those who are, who are attached to the root of bitterness. Always upset and angry. Instead of just letting go and letting God. Hmm. Lord, I pray for anybody else who's dealing with the weight of a burden that you were not, they were not designed to carry. Yes, yes, Lord. Whether it's unforgiveness, frustration, cynicism, hurt, pain. Lord, we let it go right now and put it in your hands. Make us whole, Lord, so that we can represent you in this world. Make us whole, Lord. So that our actions will not be antagonistic to the words of the gospel that we preach. Lord, make us whole so that we can love from a different place. Lord, make us whole so we can relate to individuals on a higher level. Lord, make us whole right now so that our perspective of life changes and seeing things from your point of view. Yes, Lord. So, Lord, we surrender our lives to you as we approach you naked and unashamed. Do what it is. Be the master surgeon in this situation right now. Be the master carpenter in this situation right now. So, Lord, from a mental perspective all the way to a physical, spiritual, emotional, Lord, minister to our whole person right here, right now. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Let's offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving in praise. Come on. Come on. Offer that sacrifice of praise in thanksgiving. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the spirit of the Holy Spirit's intervention, let me just keep with this flow. If you are in here today and you've never surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you've never affirmed his life, death, and resurrection, this is the opportunity. I want to pray for you. Ushers, we'll stop the movement in the back so we have respect for this moment. But if you're that person, while every head is bowed, every eye closed, come on. Just raise your hand right where you are. I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to declare him as my Lord and my Savior. I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. Father, thank you. Because there may be individuals who are joining us today virtually. We don't know where they are on the planet, but you're there. You're there with your saving grace. You're there with your love, your life, and your light that was brought to us through Jesus Christ. 
So, Father, we pray for them right now that as they say this prayer that we will lead them in, that that love, that life, that light will enter their hearts and minds and create a new creature in Christ Jesus. Let's all pray this together. Say, God, I thank you. God, I thank you. This opportunity to open my heart to your love, your life, and your light that comes to me as your gift through Jesus Christ. I believe that he lived, that he died for my sins on that cross, and that he rose from the dead. And through faith in him today, and announcing his lordship over my life, I'm saved. I'm born again. Jesus is my Lord. Let your kingdom come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me on my journey. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a good hand. Clap offering. If you prayed that prayer with us from wherever you are, you're now what the Bible calls born again. The scriptures say clear. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be, come on, saved. And you become a part of the family of God. You need to get into a church so you're part of a spiritual community, a fellowship, so that you can grow. There's some information on the bottom of your screen that will direct you with the next steps. And those of you who are here, you're, you, look, you're here. Avail yourself of being here. Amen. Were you blessed today by the service, the praise and worship, the word by Pastor Jamal and his book? So he's going to meet you outside and you can get your own copy. Come on, let's say something good as we leave this place with never God's presence. Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.